You're listening to Sermon Audio from First Baptist Church of Van Walsteen. For more information about First Baptist Church and our services, please visit www.fbcva.com. You sound great this evening. I would say you look great, but I can't see you from up here, okay? (laughs) I'm sure that you do, and again, I'm so grateful that you are here. I want to just take a few moments as we're together here this evening to draw our attention to Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 once again. If you've been here regularly on Sunday mornings, you know that over these last four Sundays, we've uh, unpacked Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9 there, verses 1 through 7, focusing our attention uh, on the four throne names of Jesus Christ. And as I reminded you this morning, 700 years before the wise men gave and the angels sang and the shepherds came, Isaiah explains what Christmas is all about. And what has been called the cornerstone, the centerpiece of all prophetic prophecy. So what is it that the Lord shows Isaiah that we need to see uh, concerning this king with four names? We said this morning that this king is marvelous in how he came. He came in the flesh. Don't miss the significance of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We read it a moment ago from John chapter 1, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That is Christmas. God come in the flesh. A child is born unto us. He came in heavenly deity. A son is given to us. Speaking of his eternal being, it says there in John chapter 1, makes it clear to us that Jesus did not begin on that Christmas, that first Christmas. He always has been and always will be. He is eternally God. And God came in the flesh. God's Christmas gift came in the person of deity wrapped in the package of humanity. The king is majestic in who he is. In much of our time together in Isaiah chapter 9, we've been looking at these four names. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of peace. Now it's fitting to, the, to end this Advent series by talking about the Prince of Peace. Think about it. Everyone knows that Christmas, in many ways, is about peace. Uh, we've all heard unusual stories, even from, uh, from the war, uh, for example, when warring forces, uh, put, there was a ceasefire and a pause in the fighting, and, and everybody came together to sing Christmas carols. We've, we've seen those kinds of images. You'll find it on most Christmas cards, a reference to peace. It's the, the theme of many Christmas carols. It is the nostalgic image of the nativity, the baby Jesus in the manger, all is calm, all is bright, sleep in heavenly peace, right? But what is this peace of Christmas all about? It would be difficult for us to say that we live in a world of peace. I know in my lifetime, I, I don't remember a time when, when, there was, when there was not some kind of war or fighting going on or conflict somewhere in the world. There's rarely been a time when we didn't have even our own American forces somewhere in some sort of a conflict, in the midst of conflict. So is this peace of Christmas, is it just about a calm, mild, sleepy, nostalgic feeling? Is it a hopeful sense that maybe next year will be more peaceful and less stressful than this one? Oh, it's far deeper than that. It's more powerful, 
far-reaching than that. And unfortunately, most people will miss it. So let's not miss it this Christmas. So when we think about the Prince of Peace, let's, let's break that down a little bit. What do we think of when we think of Prince? When we think of Prince, we, we think of, uh, I guess, a variety of images come to mind. We think of Prince William and Prince Harry, for example. Prince Charming from Cinderella. Prince Adam, who was the Beast, by the way, and Beauty and the Beast. But this title, Prince, is not some guy born with a silver spoon living in a magnificent palace that we romanticize in our fairy tales and pop culture. Now, the Hebrew word is better translated ruler or commander. It's most often used to describe a military commander who has great power and authority and leadership over his, his army, over his forces. We see this very clearly in Joshua chapter 5. It says, now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? It's a fair enough question, right? And the response was this, neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in worship. Who is this prince? Who is this commander of the army of the Lord that Joshua worships there in Joshua chapter 5? I believe it's a pre-incarnate manifestation of none other than Jesus Christ. That's for another sermon, but the point is that the image of prince Jesus is commander and ruler. But let's, let's consider that next word, peace. If he's the prince of peace, what does that mean? It's a beautiful word, right? I mean, it's a word that's thrown out, especially in uh, uh, you know, the, the days in which I was born. You know, It's like make love, not war, peace, and all those kinds of things. That's what we think of. Well, what is this word peace? In its verbal form, it actually means to fill in or repair the cracks. If you've ever broken something of value and you had to repair it, then you had to shalom it. That's the biblical word for peace, shalom. Shalom is repairing, it's restoring, it's restoring wholeness and harmony to something. It assumes that there is something that is broken, something fractured, something that is not right, that needs shalom. This title implies that the work of Jesus as the commander will be to go to war to restore what is broken. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2. It says, therefore, he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. Which he had, which he put to death, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were uh, who were far away, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. If the only image that you have of the Lord Jesus Christ is of gentle Jesus, meek and mild, you will certainly misunderstand what the prophet intends to communicate by this fourth title in verse number six of chapter nine as the Prince of Peace. you got to understand, he came to triumph. And in the wake of his victory, he brings peace. It's interesting to notice how at the beginning and at the end of his earthly ministry, there are earthly rulers who are terribly threatened by Jesus. They, it's as if they bookend his earthly life and ministry. 
You have King Herod, who when the wise men uh, come to visit, inquiring about the place where the, the one born to be king of the Jews should be found, he orders the massacre of male children in an attempt to snuff out what he perceived to be a rival to his rule. He's dragged before Pilate. As, as his earthly uh, ministry and the end of the gospel story, we might say, at the climax of Jesus' earthly ministry, he's dragged before Pilate who asks him, what, are you the king of the Jews? You see, Pilate wants to be clear. Is this man a threat to the rule of Caesar? You remember Jesus' answer? My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus' kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. He is a king, but his kingdom is not a geopolitical thing, and it does not progress by means of political instruments. It's a spiritual kingdom. It advances by different means, not by the sword, but by the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And yet it is a kingdom, and he is a king. And the peace that characterizes that kingdom is a peace that's won on the back of a victory. He engages in real battle and he triumphs. Victorious. Revelation chapter 17 verse 14 pictures the world in opposition to the gospel. And it says this, they will make war on the lamb. On the lamb. That's a picture of Jesus. And the Lamb will conquer them, for he is the Lord of lords and King of kings. And those with him are called and chosen and faithful. How does Jesus win his victory? He wins his victory by obeying and bleeding and dying and rising and reigning. He triumphs over Satan and sin and death and hell. His word tells us he's now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, governing all things and reigning as Lord. You know, you can face 2024, those of you who live under his rule, without fear. Not because you're competent uh, for whatever may come. Not because you're smart and wise and capable. While those things may be true to some extent. You can face 2024 in all your weakness, in all your uncertainty without fear because your times are in his hands and you live under the reign and the lordship of the prince of peace. Please don't face the coming year without knowing what it is to come under the reign and the lordship of the prince of peace. How can you face another day without knowing the one who holds the future in his hands, who reigns as king, working all things together for the good of those who love him? And just before we conclude, let me ask you if you know the greatest enemy of all facing people in the world today. How would you answer that question? Who or what is the greatest enemy facing people in the world today? It's not famine or disease. We can rule out rogue states, Russia, North Korea, ISIS, and the likes. If you're not a Christian, if you don't know the Prince of Peace himself, your greatest enemy, listen carefully, is actually Almighty God himself. You say, wait, 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 wait just a minute. And we are because, see, <laughs> Paul says, by nature, we're children of wrath. 
friendship with the world, he says, is at enmity, at odds with God. We are alienated from him by our sin. So would you listen carefully to me for these final few moments? There is no way to understand what Christmas is about. No way to understand why Jesus was born, what it means that he came as the Prince of Peace, unless you get this clear above everything else before everything else. The only way to know the peace that he can bring us is by first having Jesus Christ make peace for us with Almighty God. He must make peace by the blood of his cross. And at the cross, Jesus bore the full fury of divine judgment that we who believe in him might be pardoned and reconciled to God. In Christ reconciling the world to himself. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I wonder, on this Christmas Eve, 2023, do you have peace with God through Jesus Christ? You might say, Pastor, if you only knew my life and my world right now, it it is anything but peaceful. Uh, I'm a mom of preschoolers, (laughs) My job, if you only knew my job right now, or if, Pastor, if you looked at the economy recently, and I, any, everything in my world seems anything but peaceful. Mm. The Prince of Peace came to make peace for you with God, to reconcile you to God. Are you at peace with God? How terrifying to face the future still at enmity against Him. So whatever it means... Whatever else it means to have the Prince of Peace give you peace, it must mean this first, to have been reconciled to God by the blood of his cross. And for that, you must come and give up the reins of your life, surrendering them into his hands, asking him to come and be Lord and King, my Prince of Peace, my Master, taking his yoke and his burden, which is easy and light, and you will find rest for your souls. He invites you into his kingdom where there is rest for the weary and heavy laden. So will you come this Christmas Eve and bend your knee to him? The Lord Jesus Christ is our Prince of Peace. He's our Prince of Peace. Would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? I want you to reflect upon the Lord Jesus as our Prince of Peace. And while there may be a sense of uh, chaos, conflict, confusion in your life, uncertain days ahead as we face a new year, I don't know what may be causing that for you. But my sincere hope and prayer tonight before we light the The next candle is that you personally, yourself, know the light of the world who is Jesus Christ. He's wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. He's everlasting Father. And he's the Prince of Peace. Have you been reconciled to holy God through faith in Jesus Christ? Father, we thank you and praise you tonight that even in the midst of a crazy, chaotic, broken world in which we live, you came. 
you came. You took on human flesh. You lived among sinful men. Died a death that you did not deserve. Making it possible for us as sinful human beings to be reconciled to holy God. And to know true peace. True peace, even in the midst of a chaotic world. And we thank you for that tonight. We give you all praise and honor and glory. In the powerful and precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Van Alstine. For more information about our church, visit www.fbcva.com.